0: Join me in prayer as we go into our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, as prayed already, we are absolutely in awe of your mercy. We apologize for getting angry when you show your love even for our enemies. As we follow your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask for humility to show the world what it truly means to love your enemies, our enemies, fully. We think of our enemies now, and may we love them as you love them. Now yield. We now yield to your reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello and good morning. If I can be turned down just a hair. Uh, I don't, it's a little loud, but uh, this must how Sherry hears me, right? At home. <laughs> so hello and good morning. Hey, today, it's going to be an interesting day. Today, uh, we will begin our message in a very interesting book, a familiar book, the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4 is, continues our year's theme, Understanding the Bible, God's epic story. Who's with me? Am I good? Is it a little loud? How are we doing? like it all right oh you you know where it's going it's going to go a couple notches here in a moment so so yeah so uh we're understanding god's story uh throughout the year 2022 of course we're understanding the whole time but our theme our focus is understanding uh the bible god's epic story now as you're getting to jonah chapter 4 let me uh, just share this with you. I think many of you know this, but let me share it with you. it's great to be with you on uh, a day all Christians ought to be celebrating. Uh, we celebrate the day of Pentecost today. Wait a sec, I thought we were Baptist. No, no, no. And the general concept, this is the day that, of course, Jesus was uh, ascended uh, to heaven. And, of course, the Holy Spirit descended, giving birth to the soul of the church. That's what that's all about. And it's that moment in history that, uh, that uh, the church's soul was given birth, meaning that the kingdom of God is here now. And, and do not ever, ever, ever think otherwise. Or J- Jesus came in vain. That's the reason God came. Who's with me? And if we lose sight of that perspective, where there is no vision, the people perish. And we have to understand that. So it's the day of Pentecost that we celebrate. Here's the word today. Together. Are you with me? It's the day uh, that uh, the seventh day of creation, if you understand the Bible in Genesis, it's the day the seventh day of creation came into being. I hope you realize that. This is where we get to live in our reality today. And in in that pinpoint of history, the church, a few people, with enthusiasm and with God's truth, Spirit and truth, that began. But we still live in the fall and we're still waiting for that to come to completion. But I guarantee you, it's right here. And now when it does come to completion, that's known as the complete second coming. Of Christ, that's not what we're looking for. What we're doing is we're getting in the midst of God's kingdom, so that we can truly develop the kingdom of God here on earth. Are you with me? Together. So with that, of course, I think you know why uh, it's better to be together. We're just what more better together, and the church is definitely a witness to that. So on three, everybody say more better together. Ready? One, two, three. More better together. Amen. That sounded good. Now, for those who may be wondering who you are, I see a couple of people here that are new faces. Uh, My name is Drake. I am the senior pastor here at the church, and it's wonderful to be with you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone. And I am absolutely thrilled this morning to be sharing God's Word with you today. Let me take a drink. Now, let's jump right into our message about... A rebellious, and let me put this loud and clear this morning, false prophet. To see how to man manage our angst and our anger. Through a message I've titled for the church now, for the people of God. Why so angry? Why are you so angry? Well, we're going to see something today I think might help answer that question now to begin the message read with me uh, Jonah chapter 4 which is the last chapter in the book uh Jonah, uh Jonah almost said Joan is there a book of Jonah Jonah 4 2 is where we're going to begin and I'm going to read this as best as I can neutrally and then we're going to come back and really look at the attitude that Jonah had with this prayer so let me do that first and we'll get into the message now he prayed this is Jonah Uh, To the Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Question. That is what I tried to forestall. That word forestall means stop from happening. Jonah was trying to stop something. By fleeing to Tarshish. That's a hard word for me. Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity or disaster. So here's the prayer of Jonah in a certain attitude, and we're going to see what that is. We'll come back and read it with that attitude. But here's the Word of God to start our message today, because we truly understand that God is the one who is loving, compassionate, and He does hold back on destroying Uh, people's lives and or communities or what that is. This is so true. So with that, our Word of God has been read, and let's get into this message about Jonah today. So to begin the message, what I'd like to do, let me introduce the true character of Jonah, which looks much like an average Christian today. I can say average Christian, average marriage, average family, average church. Now let me say this, more likely than not, your understanding of Jonah, Jonah and the well, is a fallacy of who he truly is. We're going to see this. That's not my opinion. We're going to uncover it today to see if that's true. So with the message today, let me begin by introducing the true biblical character of Jonah first, then I'll give you a general overbook, uh, oh, excuse me, an overview of the book is what I'm trying to say there, of Jonah, then I'm going to introduce the problem or sin or sign of Jonah, and then share with you how a Christian ought to respond to this sin in their life, their problem in their life, to enjoy the benefits of God's Goodness. Can I do that this morning? Let me do that this morning so we can live in God's goodness uh, one step closer to God's potential and His goodness. So first, let me introduce the character of Jonah to understand the book that is named after him in, our, in the Holy Bible. So up front, understand, I've already shared this, uh, Jonah is a reluctant and rebellious prophet, not only up front, but through the entire book. Or, in other words, he is a jerk. Who's with me? I have other words, but uh, it wouldn't be appropriate. He's a jerk. So please understand that Jonah is not the Aquaman or superhero of his day or our day either. How do we know this now? Is this just my opinion? How do we know this? Well, we know it because of Jonah's we'll say short cameo since we're after stories here right cameo that he, we see in 2nd kings chapter 14 you see you got to set up your character before you get into the story right it's nice to know the character and we see this short cameo in 2nd kings chapter 14 and it's here uh, he Jonah present is presented as a prophet in King Jeroboam's uh, reign. There's two kings there. Don't have time to get into it. But through these uh, these uh, kings, brothers, uh, excuse me, a father son duo, uh, we see Jonah in this reign, and he's the prophet of Israel, and he's he's responsible for for God's vision, if you will. And the projection of that vision in, in this time. Where Jonah then, during this time, prophesizes in the evil of the king. Rather than in the acceptance of God's order. Does that make sense? He prophesies towards the man's favor and not God's reality. Are you with me? This is so important. We see this, uh, this evil reign in 2 Kings 14.24 where he, that's Jeroboam, the second here, did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn uh, away from any of the sins or the problems of Jeroboam, which is the son of Nebat. When you took jun- uh, junior and senior jo- Jeroboam, you have Nebat on this side, which he had caused Israel to commit. We have got a king and a prophet that is Assigned, if you will, as a role of, of a prophet to these, and they committed sin. Are you with me? Israel, the church. And so we're starting to kind of see this character of Jonah before we jump into the book of Jonah itself. Now remember, remember, as I shared last week, what we must do when it comes to uh, studying our Bible is study, let's we must compare scripture with Scripture to qualify God's truth rather than rely on children's storybooks to set up a character. Who's with me? It's here we know Jonah is a reluctant and rebellious prophet. This is not the only place, though. He prophesied that an evil, idolatrous king we can put it that way of Israel will win the battle in the long run which he did not false prophet it's all black and white in scripture if we just get into our bibles and allow scripture and scripture to interpret itself we've got to quit relying on some of the elementary immature ways of studying god's word without a doubt false prophet how do now how do you know if a prophet or a person is false, a child of God, mm. it's going to bring it home because I'm not just not talking about the prophet. I'm talking about Christians now. How do we know if a person is false? Are you with me? How do you know? You look at the outcome of the person. Is it wrong in the pattern of who they are? And this is the case with Jonah or any other person who claims to be God and they are toxic and they continue to live in that ignorance, in that inattention, and in that mistake. And they are toxic and or destructive, especially in the long run of who they are. They're not getting better what's happening. They're bad vision. Bad reality. Another significant... Indication or indicator, if a child of God or prophet is terrible, please hear this. Anger. It doesn't matter if it's direct anger or passive-aggressive anger. Anger is part of who they are or displayed in their personality. God gave you a wonderful temperament. The problem is, in your character, uh, you have formed many wrong habits And you come across not as the fruit of the Spirit, but very angry. That's the expression of who you are. And this in itself is a huge problem in the church and with people today. Would you not agree? Not only with us today, but it's the sign of Jonah. So important to understand. So we ooze it through our personality. Again, personality is temperament, character, and in your performance, you're an angry person. It doesn't matter if you're a direct arguer or you're passive-aggressive in that anger. You are not properly putting the perspective of God in place. Nor did Jonah. So the question is today with the message title, Why so angry? So it's here we need to understand the character of Jonah, not in a, again, not in a child's book set up where typically chapter 4 of, of the Bible, or excuse me, the book, is omitted altogether. We see Jonah as not a hero, but a very angry, bitter person who pretty much withers up and dies in his anger, bitterness, offensiveness, and in the faith. Read the book of Jonah all the way through to through chapter 4. I promise you, that is the reality. You know, most kids' shows and stuff ends at chapter 3. Jonah goes to Nineveh, preaches a message. Ta-da! He gets all the credit, and Nineveh is saved. End of book. Really? Really, really? That's true. But in spite of Jonah. Hear that. It's the mercy of God that saved Nineveh and gave more opportunities to Jonah, who refused. And he ends up dying in the or he ends up becoming nothing. So with the cameo of Jonah, did I set that up okay, Gary? Pretty good. Sorry to destroy some of your dreams, folks, about Jonah. We do have to look at reality, don't we, in our character so we can work in a way that's going to produce good results. So with the cameo in uh, of Jonah in 2 Kings, it sets the stage for us to go to the book of Jonah now, where the reader, with sound research now, should have an attitude of, yeah, I'm not sure about this guy. We need to be suspicious now with our research and and think the only thing we know about Jonah is that he made uh, a prophecy that seemed like a genuine prophecy to the king that got reverted, overturned by the prophet Amos. You've got to read the book of Amos to know that. You have to, to understand the character. Now, Amos is a trustworthy of God, a true prophet that we all know. Uh that's, that's all we know about Jonah. And now we step into the book of Jonah. I wish we had time to read it all the way through, but let me give you an overview of the short four-chapter stories about Jonah. Let me, let me give that as quick as I can. Now, each chapter presents four brilliant scenes of a story since we're using God's story. There's four chapters. Four scenes. The first scene is about Jonah being sent to the worst, most murderous, uh, pagan city. Might have some school shootings and some things happening here. Maybe, just maybe. But here's Jonah is being sent to the most uh, murderous capital of the world, an empire that is in the ancient world, Nineveh. And you can compare Nineveh with What you said the other day, Babylon. Okay, I thought you were with me, brother. Okay, he's like, (laughs) he is. He's always with me. Now, in the first scene of the chapter, God gives Jonah a calling. Yes, we know that, and he refuses the call of God and ends up getting onto a boat and he runs away from God. Can I say hello? <laughs> hello! Are you with me? Abandons the ship. The calling gone, done. And as most know, hell breaks Loose and Jonah's rebellion brings disaster to himself and everyone on the ship. The child of God, Jonah, causes torment for everyone else. Does that sound familiar, my brother? I don't know any Christians like that. We got to look for a sign, don't we? Who's with me? Uh, Continuing this first scene, once he becomes identified as the source of the problem, 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 he's sleeping in this. He's inattention. He's not paying attention. He's asleep at the at the the gut of the boat. If you know the story, inattention—that's a cause of sin, by the way. If you know the sin or the, the doctrine of sin, not paying attention. Nobody ever does that in our church. Wake up back there! No, I'm just kidding. My father-in-law is not here. I can't. Oh, no, he's not. Okay, we're all right. I love him. Erase that from the video. I don't, he doesn't get on Facebook. Never mind. Continuing with the first scene. Uh, once he becomes identifies the source of the problem, the sailors on the boat um, repent. Now, isn't this backwards? Yeah, everything's backwards in, in the book of Jonah. You know, rather than coming to church, they, they just go celebrate church somewhere else. No, that's backwards. That's not God's plan. God's plan is the day of Pentecost, be in church. Then go out and be an expression and be the universal church. No, you know what is people Christians today? No, I can do church out here. Ah, wrong answer. You're not in the will of God. Everything is backwards with Jonah. We're going to see what Jesus says about this. And cowardly Jonah now, check this out, wants the sailors to throw him overboard. I've heard this preach. He's, he's sacrificing himself. He's so awesome and faithful. Just throw me overboard. Yeah, if you've been on a cruise ship like I've been, in the middle of the ocean, and you look out there, Jesse and I, our family's been on a cruise, you're like, yeah, throw me over. God's going to save me. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jonah wants the sailors to throw him overboard. They're reluctant. They don't want to do it, but they say finally with casting some lots, they literally throw him overboard based on him. Kill me because I'm just a problem anyway. Have we ever heard that in the church? And so he's cast overboard. Can we say suicide by cop? Ooh. Think about it. We've got to look at what this story really is. Now I don't think for a second... Jonah wanted anything else. No more than any... How many Christians in their calling are so angry and bitter and they just said, this is too hard, this is a problem, just kill me, get me out of the church. Throw me overboard. Church, people of the church. It's a sign of Jonah, folks. Who's with me? And then, of course, they reluctantly, the sailors reluctantly throw... Jonah overboard, where he gets swallowed up by, let me put it this way, a massive fish, not a cute little whale from Disney, because of God's mercy. And that's the end of scene 1, chapter 1. Scene 2, Jonah is now in the belly of the sea monster. Now recall this, a sea monster, throughout the Bible, symbolizes or represents a place of evil and chaos in any relationship or in context. That's what that spiritual meaning means when you read about sea monsters in the book of Generations. Genesis in the book of Job here. So he's now in this place of evil and chaos. And not only that, the environment he's in Oh, That's got to be beautiful. I was fishing yesterday. I would hate to be in the gut of that fish. I I kind of pulled some of those hooks out. I don't want to be there. It's nasty, smelly. In the gut. That's a pretty vivid scene or a picture in your mind. So again, that place, the sea monster represents. Now let me say this. The sea monster also represents you in that place protected by God doesn't mean you're not in the environment. But God will protect you as He did Jonah. So Jonah, in a bizarre twist, is swallowed by a fish. And then, amid this disorder of God, offers up a prayer. Not the one we've prayed, but he offers this uh, desperate prayer to the Lord. So in this craziness, he prays where he says he's sorry, but not really. Have we ever prayed that? Who's been guilty of that? Get me out of this mess! I'm sorry, but not really. I'm sure we've all been there. What does he say in the gut of the sea monster now? He says that he will follow God now. I'm going to go back to church. And through God's mercy, through that prayer, we need to pray these prayers. God's response to Jonah is that the fish what? What's that? Yeah, make sure you use the right word. Vomits or throws him up. The last year, anybody got vomit before? Come on, who's on the same page with me? Yeah, we all have, right? Some for good reason, some for bad. It's not a pretty sight, folks, but he vomits Jonah onto, check this out, Dry ground, dry land. And dry land represents God's security, success, and significance in life. You're back on square one. Your footing is back in place. Are you with me? Jonah again is on good ground. End of scene two, end of chapter two. We begin scene chapter three where God gives Jonah a second chance. Anybody been there? So Jonah gets vomited onto the dry land. Then finally, finally, he goes to Nineveh. Then what happens? He preaches a very odd and half-hearted sermon. Now you have to be skilled and trained as a preacher to understand this. If not, you're going to miss the mark. A very half-hearted. Now how do we know that? So I know this. He doesn't preach with great thought, skill, or love, but a message delivered through his angst and his anger toward God and Nineveh. He throws out these angry, bitter, and defensive words, John words, John three, four. In Hebrew, there are five words. That's it. Jonah began by going a day's journey. I have to pause because God told him to go three-day journey. So what does Jonah do? Half-heartedly, he goes one day. It's right there. Read it. He's by going a day's journey into the city and he proclaims this, 40 more days in Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, this message should sound familiar. It's fire and brimstone to scare you to death. To scare you of God's wrath. And that's exactly what he's doing. So this is a fire and brimstone message and nothing about the love and grace of God and how the people of Nineveh ought to respond. Are you with me? However, no matter how bad the preaching, don't pick on me, John, this preaching does work. Not because of Jonah is even slightly faithful, but because of God's mercy and forgiveness. You know in a church maybe, uh, there's a preacher up there and they're just living like hell, but the church is growing still. It's not because of the preacher. It's in spite of that. We see that with Jonah. You see, Jonah used, used the fear of man, not the fear of God, to scare Ninevite, the people, to death, and you see that going on all over today. In fact, there's churches growing because of the death message. The end times are near and scaring the snot out of a lot of people to get them into church. But in spite of that, God still blesses. God's love plan is always this, is always his faith plan. No matter how hateful a child of God may be. So despite Jonah's defensive approach rather than an offensive approach, how many of you know we're not to fight on the offense of God? But we are, excuse me, we're not to fight the, I almost did the Jonah thing, reversed it. We're not to fight on the defense. God is our defense. We're the offense. And so many Christians are trying to take the ball away because they're fighting on the defense or the truth of God. It is a sad, sad moment in reality. So God's love and, and spirit and truth saved the king, the people of Nineveh, and even the cows are saved, as we are going to see in chapter 4. Did you hear me? The cows. Cows are smarter than most. That's the end of scene 3. This is where this is where most children's books or or messages stop. But you can't stop here cuz you're going to miss the whole story. Are you with me? Let's look at chapter 4. Now here comes the scene again that most miss. Here we experience at chapter 4. Look at the heading of chapter 4. We experience Jonah's anger self-pity, offensiveness, and sarcasm. And it is the setting up of chapter four, which opens with Jonah's angry prayer. We began the message with. Let's read it again, but with the attitude of Jonah. Jonah four two says this now. Now think of Jonah. Think of a teenager who's rebellious to their parent now. The parent's been trying to get them to follow the truth, but they have this attitude. Jonah prays to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Sounds familiar, parents? That is what I tried to stop by fleeing to Tarshish. What is he trying to stop? Nineveh from being saved. He admitted it. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate god how many times have my kids i know god, i know the truth but i don't want to do it ignorance i knew you are a gracious and compassionate god slow to anger and abounding in love a god who relents from sending calamity or disaster i knew it i knew it this is the prayer of jonah to god so in other words jonah is saying the reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place is that I knew you would forgive my enemies. Are you with me? So it turns out that Jonah is furious because of God's goodness and His love. So from verse 2 on in chapter 4, Jonah now, check this out, he goes outside of the city, outside the walls of God, the will of God, outside the church, whatever you want to call it. And the first thing he does uh, is he sits down, still hoping that his expectations would come true. So, the first thing he sits outside the town, hoping it will be destroyed based on his interpretation of how things ought to happen. Not God's vision, but his. But guess what? It didn't occur in Jonah's perspective or in his vision, in in his fixed. Scarced and closed minded attitude. Understand it's God's perspective, vision of growth, abundance, and open mindedness with responsibility that saves the entire community of Nineveh, that saves the enemy. So Jonah sits there. Maybe some people, can, uh, not to me, don't, don't be specific, but Jonah just sits there. In his house or wherever, in his misery, contempt, and hatred, God provides yet another covering for him. Here comes God's mercy again—a vine. might want to read chapter uh, John chapter fifteen on this one. He provides a vine that grows up again, character over him, gives him an opportunity to rebuild, to be protected by God's plant vine. Jonah gets excited again. He shows up to church again. He's excited. For just the night. Just for a moment. It's short-lived again. Who's with me? Where God finally allows Jonah. Jonah's way. A worm's way. To eat away God's goodness once again. How many of you have read about the worm in chapter 4? That worm represents what King David said, I'm a worm. It represents what Paul said, a worm such as I. But more importantly, it represents this. When you understand and you study the Word of God properly, it comes down to the point where people are walking by, spitting, and uh, giving insults to Jesus as He's hanging on the cross. A worm. Are you with me? A worm! We mouth off about pastors and church and and, and what we're doing for Christ. The worm is us. It's a shame. We need to learn how to truly interpret God's Word. So there's Jonah once again. And then Jonah, what does he do at the very end? Once again, he says, This life is too hard. What does he say? Just kill me. Hmm. Third time. Jonah, in the end, is a horrible and rebellious prophet. This is on video. I have no problem saying (laughs) that. A so-called child of God who consistently doesn't like the God he is supposed to be serving. Jonah is a picture of what we are not to be and is the problem or sin of God's people. The problem is God isn't, their problem is God isn't doing it their way. I promise you. And people are just angry. And Jesus himself gave us how to respond to this dilemma in our lives individually and collectively. Jesus in Matthew 12.39 says, He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet who? Jonah. How many people are looking for signs that end time so their enemies can be destroyed? Think about it. How many books... How many preachers are preaching that? It's a sin. We are not to look but for one side. And that is Jesus. So let me say this. The book of Jonah is very captivating indeed. There there are interesting characters, different points of views, mystical creatures, and a consistent plot line or problem that needs to be resolved. The vine resolves that at the end. End of chapter 4. Understand, it's the the consistency that is the point of the book of Jonah. I've already shared it with you. The plot or the point of the book of Jonah, again, is about the habit that tends to happen in the hearts and minds of God's people once they consider, once they uh, they are, are saved and become a Christian and have received God's mercy themselves. They forget about that mercy. And God's Child, you and I quickly form a pride or an angry habit in our character towards those who are not like us. And the worse they are, the more we hate them. Politics, things that are happening around we hate them. That's the sign of Jonah, folks. We hate those people. You know, your enemies who oppose your way. We even have it going on in a church. We have enemies against each other because you don't think like me or vice versa. Villains who sit outside of our beliefs, right? Our subjective and objective beliefs, preferences. The enemy who is unlike you, we hate them. In in a sense, like Jonah, we're saying, bad little Ninevites, You're bad. No, no. That's not what we ought to be doing. So in other words, the book is critiquing A lousy mindset or an attitude or a perspective on the part of God's people. Individually and collectively. Bad attitude. An evil and angry attitude is the sign of Jonah. A sign to repent, be born again, again, and again if necessary, and follow Jesus. Not Jonah, the cute little Jonah in the well, who is often depicted as a hero in a horrible and rebellious way. Generation. And what generation are we living in? You answer that question for yourself. Folks, the only sign uh, we need is the sign of Jonah's angry attitude, bitterness, and offensiveness, and always, you know, that leads to nowhere. Death, it's going to lead just where Jonah is. Death, nothingness. So church today, will you stop with the bad and angry attitude, first and foremost, in who you are? in your character, in your personality, uh, of Jonah. Get, get it out and turn uh, to Jesus. Stop sitting around and, and as we see Jonah doing in the last chapter, looking for signs uh, of the enemy to be destroyed in times. And our prayer should never be, Lord, take my enemies From or excuse me, our prayer should never be, Lord, take out my enemies from among me. That should never be our prayer. But Lord, heal my enemies among us. Stop looking for the end times of, of your enemies. Quit sitting outside of God's will, dispute it, and repent it, where all you see is God's perspective, principles, practices, and of course, performance through Jesus. Jesus is the true sign of repentance where, beyond all belief, the king, the people, and yes, even the cows, as shared again in the last words of Jonah, will be saved. Are you with me? So ending where we began with this bad prayer, this bad attitude... Jonah 4.2, again, and with a bad attitude, he prayed to the Lord, isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall, stop from happening by fleeing to uh, the sin city. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending uh, calamity or disaster. Jonah is upset because his enemies were not, destroyed. Church again let's stop following Jonah all the signs are here with us and together let's turn to Jesus uh, the the only sign needed to live a secure successful and meaningful life through God's authentic ways. Church again let me end the message. Why so angry? Amen Amen